Well, hello and welcome. You're listening to No Lasting City, probably the second best podcast in the world. I'm Matthew Johnston. And normally I'd say I'm flying solo today, but I'm actually going to paddle out solo with, with my friend, Brendan Newton. No Lasting City is a ministry of Riverbend Bible Church. And our goal with this podcast is to distract you from the mundane and to ravish your mind with the glory of God manifested in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Today, listeners, is a special time, a little bit different, but want to introduce to you our guest today. His name is Brendan Newton. Brendan, it is uh, a wonderful thing to have you here on this podcast and be able to chat to you today. So thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me and uh, inviting me into a pretty deep, bold introduction there of, um, you know, some pretty gnarly commitment. And, you know, I'm all about that. So let's let's go. Awesome, Brendo. Um, you know, when, I, when we were kind of lining up to, to do this, I, I just thought to myself, there's only one way to do this, and it's just to talk real, to go deep, and um, to let it go where it goes. I think um, uh, our listeners will be blessed by this, and I just think it, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful time. I was just saying to Brendan before we began the podcast, I went down to Tasmania for a two-week holiday in about the year 2001, and, um, and I didn't come back for two years. And... Uh, for those of you that don't know, Brendan Newton uh, was a professional bodyboarder, uh, known all around the world for taking on the most dangerous, uh, heaviest waves in the world. And um, one simple search on YouTube will show the craziness that Brendan uh, has been involved in. Still throws himself into the waves to this day and uh, appreciate Brendan uh, coming on, as I said. But I was down in Tasmania and... Um, uh, we got word that some professional writers had come down and uh, one of those was Brendan and Brendan, uh, you know, uh, better than we all because only you saw the inside of that wave. I don't think there were GoPros back then, um, but the world saw that double page spread in Riptide. Uh, I certainly had it up on my wall and um, you came down, you paddled out, uh, you got that incredible shot um, at Shipstern's Bluff. Um, little did I know that uh, I would paddle out at one of the waves we're at and, and you would paddle out too. So to be thinking like 19, 20 years later, uh, we'd be catching up on a podcast is pretty cool. But Brendo, I thought a really good place for us to begin, like the baseline, if you will, is uh, we share uh, a common affinity and affection with bodyboarding. And I think bodyboarding is, uh, we know what it's like, well, you certainly do. Uh, it's misunderstood. Um it's certainly uh, quite a unique way to ride a wave, but let's just open the batting, if you will, by talking about bodyboarding. Rendo, when did you start uh, riding a bodyboard? Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I suppose I always wonder, you know, when we get ourselves into these subcultures that somehow sort of take over our, our livelihood, I wonder whether everyone has that kind of pursuit, I suppose, that connection. And I, I suppose there's many people with those connections with the subcultures, whether it be golf or church or um, well, church is a bit of a different one because that kind of anchors through and across um, ideally everyone's lives, but um, who, who regardless of their sporting choice. But um, it's really interesting when you get into it because I think 
that they tend to manifest in your early teens, don't they? When you start to get into a, a like a, a sport and particularly bodyboarding, I wouldn't even call it a sport. It's so, it's so um, all encompassing the lifestyle. It just yeah it takes over your life. And people often say, you know, the baseline's bodyboarding for me, but I, I don't know if it is. I suppose it is. Yeah, it is. It's a culture that I got into, but it's such a uh, interesting thing, you know, there's obviously many years before we pick up a bodyboard and I was doing lots of swimming, uh, lots of risk taking, even at the age of one years old, my dad would recall I'd sprint down the co- the house and launch myself head first off the stairs. And um, that, that was just a personality trait of mine. I'm very thankful for that, but it obviously is a battle at times and caused me, um, you know, a lot of challenges of mental illness and things like that. Um, that comes with having a personality and the drive like that. But yeah, I picked up my bodyboard when all the cool kids were doing it at Monavale when I was 12 years old. Yeah. Mm. Mm. For listeners, you don't know where Monavale is. It's, uh, it's in New South Wales. And um, as Brennan said, all the cool kids uh, were riding bodyboards. My bodyboarding journey began in Victoria where all the kid cool kids were riding surfboards, uh, the home of Rip Curl uh, in a small little, uh, coastal town beside Torquay there, uh, Bells Beach around the corner. So we were the antithesis of cool kids. But um, uh, I know you know what it's like, Brendo, to be sneaking away, uh, finding whether it's a little wedge or, or a reef break away from the crowds. That's what we kind of chase on on the boogie board. And, um, man, I tell you, uh, you have had uh, – how many years were you professional? I'm just trying to think about I – that, I know that's kind of subjective in the sense of – um in a sense but how many years were you you know a sponsored athlete um traveling around the place it's really interesting and i can't delineate at all these yeah, days yeah. because the more and more i think about what a professional is it's like it's kind of ridiculous like um you said i was a professional when i saw you in 2003 as far as i was concerned i was just like a wild cat running and swimming in the northern beaches trying to yeah, we grabbed our bodyboards, but I was off to uni two two months later to do a med science degree after I saw you in two thousand three. So I didn't I didn't think I was a professional. I I thought I was just you know with a couple of friends I grew up with, but Trent Mitchell and Troy Hannapin, and we had mm. a little buddy there that Troy known from his childhood. Um, it's funny though, eh? Like professional yeah. in a in a surfing sense, but um, professional bodyboarders, you know. I think if you were getting a free board and maybe a, a little bit of cash, you were you were a professional. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, yeah. So I really threw everything at it for for a good while, and I often say to people, I, I don't even know. I often say to people, I travelled around the world for ten years, you know, doing it. But yeah, um, maybe it was just my personality that made it a, a fixation and a profession. I was sponsored. I think my my biggest pay packet for surfing was like I earned thirty grand that year and i spent 28 on projects like so it's like i earned two grand <laughs> so um you know it's, it's not a very lucrative profession but it's really fulfilling and uh, engaging yeah yeah i don't know if it's appropriate like i, I know you, you you rode for nmd there for a while yeah um, was, yeah, there, was, was a, that- there was a couple of brands but they never did much for me I, they, were, they were struggling themselves you know like just to put end to end and um 
yeah, I just couldn't hang on to that whole institution of professionalism. I just was so it was such a facade. I just you know let that. I think at my peak of professionalism, I I built this um little media pack and put all the gnarliest shots and some cool story from Jethro and Murray Bell um at movement we built this little pamphlet i sent it to 100 companies and two companies got back to me um and gave me a total of 30 grand but even then um you know like it's, it's 30 grand like i said spent 28 on travel and projects i, I just couldn't I, at times i've wished i could have been a bit more professional about it in terms of the way i spent it the what i did with it but i just I was too much of a wild card. I, I just couldn't hold that degree of control. Um, and I wanted to do things that were just completely nuts. And I don't know why. It was natural to me, but um, it got me in a lot of mental trouble. But also, I suppose that's one of the reasons you'd, you'd call me up and do a podcast because there's, I suppose there's a degree of interest in um my story <laughs> yeah you know absolutely and i and i uh, just so our listeners are aware the abc which um is the australian broadcasting commission uh, has a has a podcast and um it's called days like these uh brendan was on the most recent episode of that I, that was a flash production brendo that was done so well narrated and just so excellent um, if you want to listen to that, it's called Brendan Finds His Wave. It recounts what you know a lot of podcasts go into uh, go into when they have you on, Brendo. Um, that that incredible encounter that you had in WA. Um, we don't need to go into that now unless you want to. But um, that that podcast was was quite insightful um, f- for me to listen to. You know, it really gave me uh, a greater appreciation and context for, for your journey in life. Um, like us all, life is filled with hurdles and heartache. And, um, you know, I, our, our intro for No Lasting City podcast is, is altogether tongue-in-cheek when it says probably the second best podcast in the world. That came from people just boasting about their podcast being the best in the world. And we came along and said, well, we're probably the second best. But, um, that that probably means then that the Gray Space podcast with Brendan Newton has got to be right up there too. So I want to encourage you to, <laughs> to check out those. I've loved uh, listening to those, particularly as you've gone back through. And, and really, um, this, this is what's incredible growing up, being a bodyboarder in this kind of tight-knit community that's all around the world. I mean, I grew up in Australia um, uh, surfing as well, but the... Um, the gray space podcast where you've had some of the old writers. Well, we're now kind of old, but, but the guys that, you know, were in all the vids and stuff and just to hear them um, talk about life. And, and you really ha- have a, Brenda, you really have a great way of navigating um, uh, podcasts. I think uh, we could all learn from the way you, you piece those together. I've heard you quite a lot. So I appreciate that. Thanks so much. It's it's a wonderful. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose it's it's really wonderful. I'm 38, and I can say that, you know, this year and the last couple of years, I've done this podcast. I suppose it's one of the few moments in my life where I've actually felt like I I was in my flow. You know, like I, I feel like I have been genuinely using 
who I am in my essence and sort of um, walking in my gift, let's say. And I um, it's amazing, 30, 38 years, that's a long time to kind of uh, navigate mental turmoil and go through the day-to-day tasks that we're all responsible for regarding family and finance and other things and and then try to try to somehow um straddle the chasm of you know what you want to do versus what the world requires for like daily living like uh, it's a long time and i i'm thankful that you 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 think that's that's a cool podcast to listen to because yeah like that's one of the moments i've felt free and in full flow when I'm hosting that podcast and I suppose my hope for listeners would be that I've got a general belief that if we I suppose you could take it to that bible verse where you seek and you'll find and from a young age age of 12 13 14 I'd pray every day um for 30 minutes and I wouldn't necessarily um encourage people to pray the way I did. I was very obsessive and generated some really unhealthy neural pathways that took me 20 years to unpack and try to divert. But I was very obsessive the way I connected with God and said prayers every day. And, you know, in that sense, that was me seeking. I was ravenously seeking and trying to find who I was and what I was going to do in my life. I was passionate about helping people and passionate about finding who I was and what I could do that was responsible life on earth. You know, like I was deeply passionate about that. I'd lean my head against the window on the bus on the way to school in like year nine and recite this prayer that I'd made up, which was a concoction of what I knew of God's grace and what I knew of my responsibility as a human being and who I loved and particularly recount lines of saying about needy people I, I i used the word needy it's probably not the nicest word to use but in my sense it was those who needed things and that i had and they didn't have and i'll talk about them in my prayers and go over and over and um deeply passionate to the point where i basically fried my brain um i was so obsessive about how i could do things for other people you ask any of my schoolmates i used to get teased for walking into parties um they'd call me jesus and stuff like that and which i understand for listeners um of this particular podcast is like it's pretty um kind of heretics like kind of don't it's pretty gnarly but the the sentiment was that i was i was a pretty strange kid wanting just wanting deeply like to connect um, with God and do the right thing and and find out what it was I needed to do. So to be acting in flow at the moment and feel a sense of deepness in my spirit about my connection um, to God, let's say, um, is is deeply, deeply satisfying and almost unparalleled in its in its um, the satisfaction it gives me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't grow up going to church at all. I was as wild as they came, um, surfing, traveling around Australia and other places. And um, 
And then I, I became a Christian and I've touched on this with you just in other conversations we've had, Brendo, but, you know, for me, as I'm, I must've been 20, 22, something like that. I don't know. Um, guys like Hub, Jeff Hubbard, Carl uh, uh, Maligro, um, I think even Phil Hansberger, um, yourself. Uh, there's someone else I'm missing. I think maybe Jacob Reeves. Others were professional bodybuilders known around the world on covers of magazines, in videos, and who were professing to be Christian. I didn't know a thing about Christianity really, but you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, Nomad Bodyboards did a premiere um, at the office there, and Glenn Thurston, Chris James, um, some guys are there. And so Hub is talking about Jesus in interviews, Phil Hansberger, yourself talking about Jesus in the documentary, The Road. Um, Malig's Carl Maligro has like a JC tattoo on his ribs and people are talking about this Christianity. And then I go to um, this premiere at the Nomad headquarters and like Glenn Thurston um, on a poster of him writes uh, Matthew 7, 13, 14, enter through the narrow gate and um, writes the whole verse out. And I'd just been like, because of what all you guys were saying, I'd, I'd grabbed a Bible and, and read that verse. And then I go see Glenn, who's a professional bodyboarder at the time. And he writes that to me. And so, you know, in the Bible, we believe that, that God, the Father, draws people to himself. And in that, like Jesus says in John chapter 6, that no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And when I look back through that time, God was drawing me to himself through those means. And um, he used other means as well. But in the bodyboarding sphere that I was so deeply entrenched in, like I was living out of tents uh, in Kiama traveling up and down the east coast in a van going to live in tasmania so on and so forth i was so deeply entrenched in bodyboarding god took those means and used those in a mighty way to bring me to himself and so that's why that's a special thing for me to have to have you on this podcast i, I that's my little journey i'd love to ask you about your journey you know um in the interestingly enough, in the ABC podcast, um, either the narrator who did a great job or you, I think it was you, said that you you still you still have a faith. But I, I know you've been on quite the journey. You know, you've experienced different um, expressions of Christianity, if you will. And so, um, if you wanted to, would you mind sharing? You know, just be as transparent or non-transparent as you want, my friend just your journey through Christianity because I trained jiu-jitsu. I've been training jiu-jitsu for about nine years now. And um, I know there's really genuine black belts. And then I also know there's like not so genuine, almost like fake black belts out there. And in terms of pastors, there are genuine pastors out there, but there's also fake pastors out there. And I'm not 
saying anyone in your experience, because I don't know your experiences necessarily a fake pastor, but I'm just saying that sometimes this, this, this type of Christianity that I see has actually, um, dare I say it, damaged people more than it's helped people. So would you mind just sharing as much as you like about mm. your journey? Yeah. This is really, um, really gnarly territory for me because, you know, I've had um, obsessive compulsive disorder um, sort of diagnosed Really, I diagnosed when I was 19, but, you know, since I was very, very young. Um, so my fixation was, I'm not sure if people understand or know, it's not, not widely known. Um, and in that sense, I consider it as a, a marginal community um, in our society, um, this particular illness, those that suffer from this illness and what reason I'm introducing my response with that is that I've been particularly traumatised um, by that illness in that my fear was that I would be separated from God um, and I would compulsively check, recite the sinner's prayer, ask for forgiveness, go through absolutely excruciating numbers of, of pleas with God to, to try to be connected to him. And I know a very easy response to that would be confess with your mouth and you'll be healed, you'll be saved. Um, you know, people have thrown those verses at me for the last 20 years. Um, but the nature of OCD is that it will always find a doubt and the nature of the finite human mind is that that it, it it's it's finite in its cognition its ability to um, to handle complexity and doubts will emerge just because that's the nature of the human brain um, and when a doubt emerges in an OCD brain, there's this all-consuming need to rid of any doubt. And sometimes these very binary terms used in religious scripture or in churches are, are extremely um, ev evocative and compelling for an OCD brain, but also lay the foundation for a really, really scary journey. Um, and, you know, you've celebrated the fact that I've caught maybe the heaviest wave ever paddled into in human history, and that's nothing compared to what I've experienced in my brain, in in my OCD brain trying to get connected to God through the sinner's prayer. Okay. So. Mm. Wow. Um, when we assume there's a formula for connecting with God via a scripture or via a methodology or a modern, modern day 
church agenda or I think that um, has failed me and I have no resentment, absolutely no resentment towards any pastor or church for that. That's my issue and my brokenness. Um, however, I've learned that there's a lot of square pegs that are trying to get pushed into round holes. And I'm the first person to say, yeah, I've really, really struggled to fit into a church and to fit into a religious space. Mm. Um, as I said, I've had a faith um, my whole life which has absolutely cared for me, absolutely come through in, in the most radical of senses. I can tell you stories, and I'm happy to tell you very honest, real stories, not theatrical, um, where God has looked after me and, and cared for me or cared for a particular scenario. Um, where I know his power is in me, 100%, no, no doubt. And I trust my my life and my kids' life and, and the world's life, every individual's life, all the Aboriginal kids I work with, all the, all the homeless. My homeless friend down in Nowra who's just absolutely um, devastated day in, day out with such a miserable life and in and out of jail, I trust his life with God. Um, so there's a deep trust that's always been in me and that trust is never failing and it's so... Oh, sorry, you said not to swear. <clears throat> Swearing for me is like a, a way of being um, expressive. It's like another language. It's not meant to um, uh, to offend people. So it's really only meant to um, emphasise my commitment to the conversation. I appreciate you going into that. Um, yeah, you know that's that that's really interesting for me to hear. I I didn't come from a christian background or a religious background at all so when i entered into the church um fresh as a daisy or however you want to say it green as grass i began to observe a, a, a certain way of communicating there was certainly a language that is spoken words that are used in this kind of thing and um i think myself and certainly what i've experienced is Sometimes Christians can be sometimes poor in the way in which they choose to convey things. Sometimes if they haven't been taught well, uh, they can be um, callous. Even sometimes when they have been taught well, they can still be callous and lack empathy and compassion. Uh, I've certainly experienced uh, or, or just seen that because it's very easy to be in a Christian bubble and everything is just kind of Christian, and um, and sometimes there's not a proper understanding of people who who are experiencing certain things. Um, and then coming full circle, or on the flip side, if you will, there's also the notion that um, Christianity does it's offensive by its message. You know, Christianity says that Jesus Christ is the only way. To God, well, Jesus said that, um, and so I, I can sympathise with um, 
what you're saying there. Have you heard of the um, Have you heard of the doctrine of assurance or or what it means to have assurance of your salvation? Have you heard those phrases before? Yeah. 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 When I hit, hit, yeah, hit my sorry. head in when I when I hear that because assurance by nature is the very thing that your OCD brain chases. Yes. And yeah. um, cognitively, and I keep coming back to this word cognitively because that's a definition of the finiteness of our mind, okay? Mm. But Jesus says we have peace beyond understanding, which is transcendent of the co- cognitive mind. Um, I believe that particular piece transcends the cognitive mind. So they're two different things, but even at 38 years old, after chasing these things for 20-odd years, it's very difficult to distinguish between when you're in a war in your mind, mm. trying to trying to achieve assurance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't pretend to understand at all um, what OCD consists of. And I'm sure it's on a spectrum too, right? That there'd be mild forms of it and then there'd be extreme examples. I mean, I've heard you talk about it. You can understand it though. It's not impossible to understand. Okay. I mean, it's okay for you to say, I I don't pretend to understand it, but there's, there's, there's some good resources, some remarkable resources out there to, to understand it. Um, And, and uh, I don't think it's everyone's role on planet Earth to understand every ailment of every human. Mm. Um, mm. However, if you know, you're willing to, I suppose, on this particular episode, if people have time in their lives, if, if they wanted to understand where I'm coming from, there's some fantastic resources out there to, to really get a, get a picture of this stuff. Um, as is there with, you know, let's say Aboriginal Australia, where you could dive in and understand their trauma or you could dive into other marginalised communities and start to understand. So, mm. yeah, I'd, I'd be an advocate for doing that if you've got the time and space, but it's not an obligation, obviously. No, no, yeah, appreciate that. I, um, I, I can imagine, you know, because I, 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 the doctrine of assurance is something I've never struggled with assurance personally. I have people in the church that I pastor who do, and I come across Christians who do. Part of it for me is probably the way I'm wired, but also, you know, I have I have drank from the gutter, and and you know lived an incredibly sinful life, and then had a had a had a conversion that was kind of night and day. Um, so I know. I know that I'm a Christian. I, I know that I'm a Christian um, as best as I am by the grace of God. But when it comes to assurance of salvation, I, I have studied it a, a fair bit, and I know that there's some unhelpful things that Christians say to other Christians that cause them to worry and have doubt and not be able to attain assurance. And then I know there's some things that Christians say to people and they're able to gain assurance um, they're able to rest in christ if, if you will i think it was augustine who said that 
our souls are restless until they find their rest in him, Jesus. Um, and so uh, I, I've, I've looked at that uh, a considerable amount, particularly of late, in the sense that it was Roman Catholicism that took away people's assurance. Let me explain. Um, the Bible tells us that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, and we enter into a relationship and union with Jesus by faith and by faith alone. But the Roman Catholic Church added these kind of works that you need to do to maintain that right standing with God. Mm. They, they, even the uh, official doctrine as it stands to this moment of the Roman Catholic Church is that if you believe that you know that you're going to heaven, that is, you know you're a Christian, that is anathema. And so... What's the sorry? Uh, like let them be accursed. Like it's just an abomination. Like it's 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 totally wrong. It's wicked. You know. Oh, so there has to be a sense of um, contriteness or a sense of um, yes, uh, guilt or doubt or for the, in order for them to to be received. Yes, that's right. And then they have to perform all these works and this kind of thing. Whereas wow. where, whereas we come along and say, hey, that takes away a person's assurance. Mm. Resting in Jesus grants assurance. But I'll tell you something just real quick. Assurance is when you when I when I heard and we've spoken a little bit. When I heard you just explain, um, we've spoken a little bit prior to the podcast. That is when when I heard you explain this this OCD struggle in your mind, trying and repetitiveness, trying to um, maybe and you correct me if I'm putting wrong words into your mouth like ensure that you're right with god or maybe pathways to be right with god this is um this is a a harrowing experience for you i I could imagine it's just just terrible there are some words some uh explanations that can help settle that but i just want to i want to i want to explain this to you I want you to imagine that you have like two guys, Billy and Bob, right? And listeners, if your name is Billy or Bob, this is not a personal uh, thing against you. But you got Billy, Billy and Bob. Billy gets drunk during the week. He sleeps with girls. He has no dis- he has no regard for um, the commands in Scripture. He he just lives like the world does whatever he wants. But he says he's a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus and he goes to church. Then you have Bob. Bob, he has a stable, steady life. He, you know, he's been going to church for some time, but he, but he really worries about whether or not he's a Christian. He um, he has real doubts. He he, he may even begin to try and do things like prayers and all these things to, to try and find comfort in the fact that he, he's, he's got a right relationship with God. If I, as say a pastor or a fellow Christian come along and say to Billy, Hey, Billy, what I need you to do, Billy, is just rest in the objective work of Jesus Christ on your behalf in that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and he rose again 
You just need to look to that and just rest in that. If I say that to Billy, and then if I say to Bob, hey, Bob, I need you to really examine yourself, Bob. Mm. You, need, you need to look um, for all the evidences. You need to consider how long you pray for, how often you read your Bible. You need to, you need to really examine yourself and test yourself, uh, Bob. What I've actually done, Brendo, is I've killed them both. Mm. I've burdened them both. What I need to say to Billy, hey, Billy, you say you follow Jesus, but there is little marks of evidence of you following Jesus. You need to chill out, man. You need to, you need to examine yourself. You need to test yourself. And then to Bob, I need to say to Bob, hey, Bob, listen, I just need you to rest, man. Rest in the objective work of Jesus on the cross. And then that, part, that, that, that conversation goes, goes a path. That is how you navigate those two different things. Mm. One will, you do it wrong and you'll crush Bob's assurance. You do it wrong and you'll give Billy false assurance. And mm. both, both are really bad. You see, my argument it would be that um, you say both to Billy and Bob, rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you think would. the grace of God coming over you has a remarkable effect in changing your behaviours because I'd say that but old Billy who's running amok is probably running full of fear and anxiety, trying to cover that up with with guilt and um and chicks and other things. Mm, mm, um mm. Yeah, there'd certainly be there certainly wouldn't there. You're right. There'd be a there'd be a point when you would say to Billy, hey look man, um look God's grace is greater than than your sin, Billy you need to lay hold of the love of God in the person of Christ and follow him and trust in him. Oh. Yeah. So you're right, Brenda, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, you're such a fascinating character to me, Brenda. <laughs> um, such a fascinating character. You, you know, people who people that know me, my friends, they'll be like, oh yeah, you have a conversation with you and you love to take it. There's just some people that I feel like you and I could talk about anything, anywhere, any place, anytime. Mm. And I, I'm like that as well. That kind of puts some people off. Um, you've probably experienced that. I don't know. No, like um at times I've gotten prickly with you because I get I get scared that you're going to put me in that place where my brain will start because if you're trauma to a point where you feel like you're not connected with God and someone comes along and says, "Hey, you're not a Christian, you're not connected with God." Um it'd be like saying if you're a kid for example, let's say you're a little ab Aboriginal kid who got beaten up their whole life by their adoptive family 
saying you're a worthless piece of shit, you you never amount to anything, you're disgusting to this family, we've pulled everything out of our bank account to look after you and you're still doing terrible and you got told that every day of your life for the first 18 years of your life and then finally you move out, you get a little bit of life in you, you get a job and you start to make some ground make some friends and then someone comes up to you one day on the street and says you're worthless amount to anything you're a burden on me just some stranger it's going to bring up all those memories you know yeah and um and that's where i get scared you're going to say to me um at times remember you wrote to me on instagram you said you should be ashamed of yourself brendo um when i used a swear word on um on Instagram to emphasize a certain story. Um and that it got me prickly, you know. And I think in an ideal world I would have seen it for what it was. A passionate guy who'd been personally attached to my journey. Um disappointed that I was using language that he didn't condone. But I would have hoped that um that you could see it through the lens of a, a passionate, sinful man full of the grace of God, which is mm. what I was at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that was, in many ways, that was, our, um, that was how we first met. I think I was a little more nuanced than just hammering you like that, but I certainly, um, I certainly just wanted to, to, to hi- highlight that and, uh, but I've appreciated um, talking to you ever since. It's um, it's been good, and I and I hope you haven't felt um, as though I've ever smashed you uh, as though you're not a Christian. Um, and it's been nice to to always be able to converse with you and talk to you about stuff. Totally, man. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm just trying to explain when I have been prickly um some of the reasons for that but that's um that's on me um as much as it's on you so um Mm. continue to move forward in the grace of god is the 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 ultimate direction eh? yeah yeah absolutely there's been times when i've heard you speak pretty um i don't know if it's disparaging but pretty hardcore against um whether it's you know the faith or Christianity. You might be describing a Christianity that you're not, you're thinking. You may be able to categorize Christianity and then true Christianity. I'm not sure, but I've heard you pre- speak speak pretty strong. When you're in those times, what are you thinking? And and you may even be able to explain it now because you may still think the same thing. But when you speak strongly against that, are you think are you speaking more against like your experience in the in an organized church setting or what is it? Cause you've made some pretty hardcore statements. Hey? Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you think it is I'm speaking about? Um, I, I can only guess, but my guess would be, I think you had, you know, maybe a, a real, I mean, when you use the word contemporary, it's like so loaded, but I don't intend it to be, a, uh, and maybe shallows too, too inflammatory too. But just 
I think I've said it to you in the past, like that maybe, oh, I think I said to you once, we need to be careful to not allow our experience of Christianity to be the authoritative decree on what Christianity is. And maybe you experienced the form of Christianity that was, um, because there is a lot of like gospel light. Uh, I want to I go ahead and say it, Brendo, but forgive me, like a Hillsong kind of uh, modern, uh, I mean, we're modern, we use internet and PowerPoint, but that kind of contemporary, uh, really engaging with the culture, trying to be like the world to win the world kind of, kind of thing. Mm. I've seen the damage that that has done to a lot of people. And I just, my guess would be maybe that's been your experience. So maybe mm. you talk that way, but you, you can fill in the blanks. Mm. Well, it would have to be maybe context-driven if you want to quote back what I've said and I can sort of maybe unpack it because I don't know what you're referring to. I'm guessing... Maybe on like the La Boogie podcast or... Um, I, th- I think I was driving up north. Maybe it wasn't the La Boogie podcast. It was somewhere where you went, you went right into it and you... Yeah. Or maybe even you maybe even you spoke in such a way where it almost sounded like it was past tense Christianity, but now you connect with like a a higher force or a god or whatever. I, I can't remember, but um yeah. Or yeah, are you like, still fixated on the person of Christ, like the cross and the and the resurrection? Or yeah, we're I'm pretty sure you, you are. Yeah, I'm not sure um, about about where I am with Jesus. Right. And I don't know cognitively about whether 2,000 years ago the scripture got passed down as per what we see in the Bible today and therefore there's a DNA or a formula for how we can study and engage with life and God. Um, I don't think it's my role to know all that. However, I'm fairly um, happy to trust that God in the most broadest sense is real and Mm. that there's a delight there Mm. and there's a enduring trust beyond all our finiteness and ailments mm. um, that serves to give us peace and joy and provision. That's mm. for me is um, very real. Mm. Um, when I've that must st- be. Sorry, you go on. When I've talked in podcasts in the past, and I, I think the podcast I, I went pretty hardcore in against to put it in your words, against Christianity. Grin Reapers. Um, no. was um, Terrible Happy Talks. Ah, um, okay. Where I called Christians cowards and um, says it's, it's cowardly that we would behave in ways that profess uh, a life-saving faith, 
but continue to go to a building with four walls on a Sunday and and pat each other on the back but not really change the world. I think that the, the two activities don't match. Um, I, think, I think I did listen to that one. Is that one, is that a podcast where the guy has people on with mental, like, is it a mental illness? No. No, yeah, no. He's, he's got like a sweet sort of interviewing tone around vulnerability, mental illness. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. terrible happy talks. I think that's where I, um, where I let loose a little bit on that stuff. And to be honest, I think the, the box is much larger and I do that in an attempt to break the box like a little mm. bit. And mm. um, I suppose I apologize if it's hurtful to those in the church, but I, I don't really, I'm not really afraid of hurting people in the church, to be honest, because I think the box needs to be broken a bit anyway. And I'm trying to do people a favor before it breaks them. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can understand that. I, I guess in response to that, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, I can imagine from your position, you know, cause you definitely went to church. You definitely, um, you've definitely heard the gospel message. Um, you understand what Christians believe, like the exclusivity of Jesus. Um, so you, you're, you're almost coming at it like, you know, back out and looking you know from 180 degrees back at it and so you know even as i talk to you you, you kind of you know where i'm coming from and um and that's just a real interesting dynamic it um, is interesting eh? and yeah. my argument would be that we're such complex human beings um the complexity of our mental lives and, and all the compartments that make up our time on earth. Like for us to assume a linear journey of, you know, sinfulness, discovery, gospel, trust, church, weekly church, um, salvation. I just think that's a really um, dangerous assumption. Like, yeah, you know, I, I would, I would just keep coming back to the basics and say that God created all people. All people are created in the image of God. We're different to the animals because God breathed His breath of life into us. We have a soul. We have the ability to exercise faith, unlike an animal. And from who we are on the inside we you don't have to teach a, a child to to lie they just do that you have to teach them to tell the truth by our nature we 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 do commit sin and because god is just we're found guilty under the weight and guilt of our sin and that's what makes jesus so beautiful in that he in his life and his death paid the penalty for us in his living he fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law that you and i could never fulfill and then in his death he fulfilled the the sanctions of the law that if you break it there must be a penalty and he fulfilled that on the cross and then he rises again 
and he becomes the way to God, the peace that he grants us when we believe in him, the forgiveness we have of our sins, the newness of life. That's what motivates me. That's what gets me um, uh, filled with, with joy is knowing that my sins are forgiven, that I have peace with the creator. And so um, I, I love that we, we, we got to the rubber hitting the road and I always knew we'd get there with a guy like you, Brenda. Um, and so from one bodyboarder to another, from one person made in the image of God to another, um, want to thank you for the, the time today. Oh, are we wrapping up? I was yeah. just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we can do, um, we can do it another time, but, um, no, nah, it's, it's, um, I'm actually, uh, officiating a friend's wedding tomorrow and I have to do the wedding rehearsal. So I have to head off to that soon. Mm. Um, but man, I, I love being able to talk real with you and, um, and, and I do love being able to, um, to, to just connect, connect with you and then have our listeners hear your journey because I think it's mm. important. I think it's important all around. So um, any final words or thoughts? Um, yeah. Um, just to distinguish for me really quickly. Um, and um, this is not to be antagonistic at all. I'm just interested. I think, I think the way we've had a conversation has been so beautiful and I'm, I really awesome. have enjoyed it. And um, the way that you were able to articulate the grace of God to stand in, I think it was like a literally a one-minute summary. So good. Um, uh, I get um, concerned when the knowledge of one human that you unpack there marginalizes anyone and then what what that means is I get concerned, for example, if you're a Muslim, let's say in rural Indonesia, who has a um, particular set of parameters they grew up with, um, what is your belief currently that they are lost and um, unable to go to heaven per se? What, what's the thought around, around that? Because my personal thought, just to give you some padding, is like I absolutely think it's beautiful that we get to go with God day to day. I actually think heaven's here right now. And I believe they do too, regardless of their profession of a commitment to Jesus Christ with their mouth through some sort of crucifix wearing Christian. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I mean, this is where, you know, I would, I would answer it, you know, the same way um, you would answer the the whole question about um, you know homosexuality, different religions, homosexuality, all these ones. This is where Christianity becomes like a real offense to people, 
um, because it's pretty narrow. Hence, Jesus talking about the narrow way. It's pretty. Um, no, you didn't just say that you've got to not be homosexual to get through the narrow gate, did you? Um, I'll keep answering. Okay. Um, so, you know, the same, the same way I would view, you know, Christians would come and have the Bible be our sole authority, um, and, and that's where we may part ways theologically, philosophically, worldview ways. Um, I would say to anyone who uh, rejects the salvation that's found in Jesus, um, regardless of their religion, would be that that person is not um, found guilty, if you will, on the day of judgment because they are homosexual or a Muslim or whatever it may be. We're all in the same boat. A person is found guilty on the day of judgment because they rejected the Lord Jesus and the gift that he is to the world. Oh. That God, that God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But the one who doesn't believe, then that says the wrath of God abides on him. And so, I would want to be real careful how I nuance that. I have friends from different religions. I have friends and grew up with people who are homosexual. Christians have done a poor job in. Um, navigating those waters but what i can't fudge on and compromise on is that jesus christ is the only way to god because only he died on the cross for sins his is a divine accomplishment whereas every other religion is man trying to earn favor with god and so that's how i would answer that um then to say that you must believe in the lord jesus to be saved. Um, and, and that's by the sounds of it, that's where maybe we part ways, but we can, we can part ways um, on that. And I can say to you, Hey, Brenda, Brenda, I'd love for you to reconsider. You can say to me, Hey man, I'd love for you to reconsider. Um, but this is the Christian belief and I believe it to be the truth. Hmm. So hopefully that, hopefully that helps in some way. Yeah, oh, it's, I suppose I tend to probably run with giving Billy full grace and full breadth, knowing the grace of God will probably mobilise Billy into some sort of miraculous life, even if he's homosexual and Muslim sitting in some grain field in Indonesia. I love the fact that you brought Billy back into the equation because the reality is the message of the gospel is a message of grace by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And so you're right. Billy needs the gospel. We all need the gospel. And, um, and I can't, I just can't thank you enough, Brendo, for, for taking the time out of your day to, to have a chat. And I, 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 I'm thankful that you describe our discussion as, as beautiful and, and, and mm. you've appreciated it. Um, I just wanted to go where it was going to go and it went where it went. 
and um, I'm sure our listeners will be be intrigued and and uh, and blessed by it. Um, so thank you so much for your time, man. No, sweet bro, lovely connecting, and um, thanks for having me on. And yeah, go well. Thanks, Brendo, so much, man. Thank you. No Lasting City Podcast is a ministry of Riverbend Bible Church in Hastings, New Zealand. For more information, please visit our website at riverbend.org.nz or visit us on YouTube. Follow us on social media where you can interact with us or ask us any questions. Our links are in the show notes and we'd love to see you there.